Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. And he goes down and he begins in verse 13. He says this. Anyone who lives on milk, in other words, anyone who is trying to go through the basics of Christianity again, and they've been a Christian 20 years, and they've never really grown. It's like salvation. When they came to Christ, they like they put Christ in a backpack. And when they need him, they get up in the morning, put the backpack on, and away they go for the day. If they don't need him, they take the backpack off. They just try to do it. And much of their life is done without Christ. When they need him, they go and get the back. Oh, here's God. Let me put him on. God's needed in this situation. There's a very popular restaurant chain whose main drawing card is buffet-style eating. They have lots of different types of food prepared, and the customer picks and chooses what they want to eat. We in America are so used to being able to select from competing options, we tend to think that all of life is like that, including how we relate to God. Pastor Mark in his teaching reminds us that God doesn't offer a buffet when it comes to relating to Him. He will have us all the way, or not at all. We find out that when we attempt to go halfway in our relationship with Him, that it is dissatisfying. We must be all in. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 1 with his continuing study called Pray This Prayer for Me. Want to have a Bible? We'd love to give you one. And you can turn right to the book of Philippians chapter 1. Turn there in the middle of the New Testament. Middle of the New Testament. Philippians chapter 1. We'll begin in a moment at verse 9. If you travel the world, especially Asia, Bangkok, Shanghai, Hong Kong, you'll be walking along the street and somebody will come up to you and they'll say this. You want to buy a Rolex? Do I want to buy a Rolex? And they open their deal, and there's the Rolex. Twelve bucks. Is there something wrong with this picture? Well, let me show you which one of these Rolex is the real Rolex. It's a Rolex Daytona watch. You see, I need discernment to know what's real and what isn't. I can tell you this morning that the watch on the left, you can buy on the internet. It's 80 bucks. If you're in Hong Kong, you get it for 12. How long is it going to last? Maybe till you get it home. The one on the right, that's the real one. You can also buy it, I looked it up yesterday, for a mere $26,000. How many have a Rolex? Let me see your hand. There's one. Good. I'd like to borrow it for a couple of weeks. You just give it to me. I'm going to impress people as I walk through the stores. No, see, you need discernment. 
That's what we're going to talk about today. Well, not discernment to pick a real Rolex from a fake, but how do we do life? How do we make the best decision with all the decisions that we have to make? Paul is writing to a church, a little town in Greece, Philippi, one of his favorite churches. He's writing a prayer to them. And he's writing a prayer to them because he knew a principle. When people pray, things happen. When people don't pray, things don't happen. And so Paul is writing, and he he knows they're doing good, but he wants them to do more. He wants more good things to be happening in them and through their lives. And Paul knew these people were just like you and me, and they needed discernment. Practical and spiritual discernment to make godly decisions. We begin in Philippians 1 verse 9. Paul says this, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge, and here's where we pick it up, and depth of insight. Paul's praying in the New King James, it says discernment. He says, I want you to have perception. I want you to be able to take the facts and make the best decision of that. Now, this is a prayer That you would want prayed for you. And I want it prayed for me. So we've been doing that. And you'll see how that works. Here's the first thing you can write. Pray and then put a blank in your note. And that can be for your husband or your wife or a neighbor or a friend. For sure put my name in there. The other pastors, wives and elders. Pray Mark would grow in discernment. What does that mean? That I'd know in my life and all the decisions I have to make, what is best? I want you to just turn to your neighbor now and say, I want to live doing the best things. Go ahead, just say that to your neighbor right now. Just go ahead. Now, there isn't anybody here that goes, oh no, I'd like to do second best. No, you want the best. And that's what Paul's praying. In all the decisions of life, Paul says, I want that to be there. The word discern will come out because look at verse 10. So that you may be able to discern what is best. That word discern means to test something, to examine something. Paul is praying for the people to be able to examine things and approve them only if they pass the test. You see, he knew that decisions were important. And he wants the people to know to make the very best choices in their life. In every aspect of their life. Why is that? Because of this principle, write it down. The decisions we make today turn around and make us tomorrow. A few years ago... For some reason, the banking industry in the world became very liberal. And they simply gave loans to anybody and whatever and who cares. Well, did those decisions two or three years ago have any effect on us in the last year or so? Every single one of us. Did it have any effect on Greece? Yeah. The country's bankrupt. Europe, the dollar, 
the euro, whew, nobody even knows if the euro is going to even survive. But it's not just governments. The decisions you and I make today turn around and make us tomorrow. So Paul is praying that they would want the absolute best discernment so they can make the right decisions. As a grandpa, there's nothing more important to Linda and I than our children, our kids who are married, and our grandchildren understand this principle. You should be praying for your children, put their name in there, and your grandchildren. That when they get to the ages, the grandchildren, they would make wise decisions. They would have discernment and make godly decisions. You see, there's so many choices in life. Now, you'll see today, yes, we want to know the difference between good and bad, between right and wrong, and yes, even between true and false. But it goes way beyond that. We should be able to differentiate between the good and the best. That's a sign of maturity. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 10, see it? You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. See, I can go through life and make lots of good decisions, and it's going to be okay. But it's not really the best decision. I want the best. Who wants to fool around with the good? I want the best. Remember many years ago when Sears was like really into it? You'd look at their catalogs and it would have good, better, best. If you could afford it, which would you always choose? Best. Same for us today. Now turn with you, Will, to the book of Hebrews. We're not going to be there long, but I think it's important you see this principle. How do we get to that discernment? How does it begin to happen in my life? Hebrews chapter 5, and I'll just summarize verses 11 and 12. And then we're going to cover verse 13 and 14. Paul is writing to a group of people, Hebrews. Paul's writing to these people. It's like a church here. And he looks out and he says, there's two groups of people here. There's the mature that always choose what's best. And then there's the immature, the babies. They're lucky to get good decisions. And he says there's a huge difference between maturity and babies. And he goes down and he begins in verse 13. He says this, anyone who lives on milk, in other words, anyone who is trying to go through the basics of Christianity again, and they've been a Christian 20 years, and they've never really grown. It's like salvation. When they came to Christ, they like they put Christ in a backpack. And when they need him, they get up in the morning, put the backpack on, and away they go for the day. If they don't need him, they take the backpack off. They just try to do it. And much of their life is done without Christ. When they need him, they go home, get the backpack. Oh, here's God. Let me put him on. God's needed in this situation. No, that's not how it works. But many people are like that. Many of you are like that. Once in a while, you'll open this guy. Once in a while. Well, once or twice a month, you'll drop by. Say hi. Cool. But see... You're a Christian, but you're an immature Christian. Paul calls him an infant. Paul calls him a baby. And here's what you need to understand. 
you will never, ever be able to choose the best as a baby. You cannot. So Paul is challenging them, and I'm challenging you. And and Paul is praying for the Philippians to have great discernment. Well, look what he says again. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. In other words, they simply don't get it. But then in verse 14, we have the contrast. But solid food, the real things of God, is for the mature. Mature versus infant. Mature versus baby. Mature versus immature. Well, how do you get mature? Here's the answer. Who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. You see, spiritually mature Christians constantly examine themselves with the word of God. They're in the Word of God. They're in a small group. It's part of their life. God's part of them. He lives in them. It isn't something they put in a backpack and walk them. Well, I've added Christ to my life. No, Christ is your life. That's where you need to go. And just because you're a Christian, you will never get to this discernment unless you're really serious about it. Not weird with it. You'll see this in a moment. But simply serious about it. Paul said there's no maturity. There's very little discernment. You don't know how to do life right. But if you, by constant use, here's the key. Notice what it says. They've trained themselves. You can't be mature coming to church every time the door opens. Won't do it. You have to train yourself. You train yourself simply in the word of God. So let me give you how that looks. Here's the first thing I want you to write. Paul is praying that they would grow in moral discernment. In other words, how to make godly decisions. Now, since God is all-knowing, I want to make decisions that are godly, that are not good, just okay, I want to make decisions that are absolutely the best for me. And the only way that's going to happen is if you and I discipline ourselves and become mature. So that's what Paul talks about. Get the word of God. Get it moving in your life. Understand this today. God did not give us his word for information. Hopefully at the end of this teaching today, you don't go home and somebody says, well, what did Pastor Mark talk about? Well, he told us how to choose between a fake Rolex and a real one. If that's what you got, you missed it. You definitely missed it. So we're not giving the word of God for knowledge. It's not about information. Oh, there's information there. It's about transformation. It's taking the knowledge and let it transform my life. I'll just leave you the simple question this morning. One of two categories. Immature. Or mature? You choose. You see, immature, at best, at best, a few good decisions. Mature, you're headed in the right area. You can discern the will of God and make godly decisions. Now, turn with me back to Philippians where you are on one book past it, toward the beginning of the New Testament. The book of Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, you see where it is there? If you can't ever remember those books in the middle, 
General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Here's the second thing that you're going to discover that Paul says we need to sermon in. Look what he says. Verse 15, I'm going to read the New Living Translation. He says, so be careful how you live. Well, what are the two ways to live? Here's the definition. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. So I can live foolishly or I can live wisely. Now, you all know there isn't a person in here saying, oh, I like to live like a fool. No, we all want to live wise. Well, what does that mean? How do I do that? Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Make the most of what? Every opportunity. Make the most of time. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And by the way, the Lord always wants us to do the best thing. He's not second class. Many Christ followers get sidelined with pursuits and things in life that really simply waste time. And Paul is praying for the Philippians to know and use their time wisely. So here's the next thing I want you to write. We need to grow in time discernment. How to use our time wisely. The new King James uses the word redeem the time. In other words, buy it up. All of us have the same amount of time every single day as a gift from God. Discernment means I'm going to use that time wisely. We should buy up every opportunity of making our lives count. Today, the kingdom that we're in, the kingdom of God, Jesus said, it's not of this world. See, I live in this world, but I'm spiritual. I'm going to live somewhere forever. And so the kingdom of God is not of this world. It's eternal. And so what I'm supposed to be doing is redeeming the time, buying up the opportunities, using my time wisely, discerning how that works. Because one day God is going to judge me in regard to my gifting and, of course, my use of time. Now, all of us have the same amount of time. Every one of us. How am I going to use that? The most valuable resource you have is time. The most valuable resource you have is time. Remember, three important things. God, people, and our time. So stop and ask yourself this week how you did with your time. Now, don't get crazy with it. You know, if you have a sport, if you have a hobby, if you have something that you like to do, that's wonderful. It's great. You need it. You need a kickback. You need to have some kind of chance to do something that you enjoy. We have to spend time with our families. We love to do that. And with friends. All of us work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Most of the pastors here work meh, 50 to 60 hours a week. That's kind of what we do. And we have all this other time. But we only have so much time. Now, if you came over to my house... You might find me on my day off just doing whatever. Take my wife out for lunch and do something. I might get out for nine holes of golf, which I do a couple times a year, but I'm going to try to do more of that. But what if you came over six days in a row and you said, well, where's Pastor Mark? He's in the golf course. Well, how often does he play golf? Every day for five hours. Now, you might be jealous. 
But you know, that is not good use of time, is it? And yet we can sit in front of our television for four hours and I can go, hey, that's pretty cool. Linda and I are flying back from Asia. The DVR is kind of a funky thing, isn't it? You can record more programs till Jesus comes than you could ever watch. <laughs> so we just went, when we got home, we killed a lot of the stuff we record because we never get a chance to watch them. How are you doing with your time? Are you using it for the kingdom of God? Best use of my time. Now, that doesn't mean when you come over to my house that I'm going to be reading the Bible 24-7. Why do you do that? I'm a pastor using my best use of my time. (laughs) That's weird. That's stupid. How much of your time are you using wisely? You remember in the old days, I remember when many, many years ago, you younger people, this is a joke to you, you'd get a grocery thing and it would say... Green beans, two cents less at this store. Whew. You got in your car? You drove 12 miles <laughs> to get a dozen of them. How many remember those days? You did that. You had the shopping list all over. Well, why'd you do that? Because gas was what? 20 cents a gallon. Now, if you see green beans, two cents less a can, and it's Coca Beach, how many are going to drive there? You're stupid <laughs> if you're going to drive there. I'm sorry, foolish. You're going to spend $4 to save what? $2. Yeah, but I'm going to buy 20 cans. You're still in the negative. Plus, the most valuable thing we have is it's time. So it should be spent with God and people. With God and people. How many years do we have left to impact our world? I want to know the best use of my time. Coming back from Asia, and then I prayed that. In my devotional, was that how to use the best use of the time I have left. I don't even know what that is. You don't either. How to use it best for things that really are going to impact the world for Christ. Of course my family's there. Of course my kids are there. But how do I use those spiritual gifts to impact the world? Now, Paul mentions opportunities and time in a very different, well, spin on it. Take a look at it. It's on the overhead. It's found in Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. Notice what Paul says. Live wisely among those who are unbelievers and make the most... Of every opportunity or every time. So Paul says, your time, if you're going to use it best, it's not just going to be about you. It's not just going to be about church people. Those are good. It's not just going to be about your family. That's good. But it's going to involve unbelievers. You see, lost people matter to God. And Paul is saying... You need to learn to use your time to impact unbelievers as well. Pastor Mark taught that the decisions we make today turn around and make us tomorrow. We need discernment and discretion led by the Holy Spirit to make sense of the life we've been given. We have to learn to exercise discernment in moral decisions and in the use of our most valuable resource, time so that we're being used by God in the best way possible. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. 
Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his message, Pray This Prayer for Me. He will teach about our need to learn discernment. We'll learn about the root of the Greek word that we translate sincere and how it applies to our character. Hypocrisy will be discussed too. We will discover the value of honesty even when it makes us look bad and how humility is an integral part of the life of the Christ follower. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living. Together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.